If you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. So, Ed, we are continuing our conversation here on the summer solstice. Right. Sitting out in the secluded secret compound. The saddest day of the year because the light begins to fade now. It, well, it's a sense of despair for you. It's actually a happy day because it's the longest day. You get the right. most summer, the most, you get the most sunlight that you'll get all year, but it's, it's like this looming despair. Even, as as even, you sit here, you go, and yet, and yet it's going right. away. Yeah. Happy new year. Here it comes. Um, my wife and I say that all the time, you know, you, and now it's June 21 and pretty soon it's going to be Labor Day and then it's going to happy new year. Right. right. <laughs> uh, and, and so I'm going to, no matter what time, I have to be to work early in the morning, but I, it doesn't matter. I'm going to sit up on the deck and watch it be light until well, it's I not light Well, I refuse to let you be a wet blanket and a, and a, and a, and a whiner. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy that today, today is the longest day of the year, the most sunlight we're going to have all year. We have glorious sunlight streaming through the pines here on the shores of the Great Lakes. And we are continuing our conversation about that came from having uh, lunch today at the taco diner. We were talking about a little bit of kind of what our experiences, have, how they've differed between, you know, the evangelical world mm -hmm. and Catholicism. And kind of following up of that conversation in our last episode, which we recorded just a few minutes ago, you know, I, I want to introduce these, these two concepts. And, and the one is the concept of mission and the other is the concept of vocation. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, what I want to say is both the Protestant world and the Catholic world and the Orthodox world flags matter. All Christians have both those concepts, right? Or recognize right. and acknowledge the idea of mission is the things that God has assigned for the church to do, mm -hmm. right? Um, what he has sent the church to do, what its purpose to accomplish, the things that, right? And vocation, which actually comes from, you know, the Latin voce, voice, vocals, mm -hmm. right? Which is to call, sense of calling. Okay. Okay. So your vocation is what God has called you to do. And the mission is what he has sent you to do. Now, again, all Christians recognize these, but they play some very different roles, I think, in American evangelicalism and Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Because you and I were talking about this at lunch. All right. So when I first became a student Bible study leader mm -hmm. on a college campus as a student leader, it, it, it was next year, it'll be 40 years. I was going to say, that must be 15, 20 years. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was a, I was a, yeah, I was a, I was a college student and I became a campus ministry leader. And next year, it'll be 40 years since that. Wow. So I've given most of my life, you know, pretty much my whole adult life in some way, shape or form to being involved in 
ministry, and it was framed from those days as mission right. in the evangelical world. This is what we are sent to do, right? right? We are sent to proclaim the gospel, reach the lost, build the church, right? right. And everything was framed that way. Right. Everything that you did or we did in the evangelical world was framed of, does this help us accomplish the mission? Right. How is this moving us? How is this moving the mission forward? What are you willing to do to advance the mission of the church? Right. right? I mean, right. You, you live in that world sure. for about the same amount of time. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, how many times did we hear, you know, sermons about that, read books about that? Um, how many conferences, ministry leader conferences did we go to? Right. Uh, where it's like, this is the mission and we're all got to do everything. How many times do we give our, that talk to our volunteers or sure. our staff people? Sure. How many of us, you know, dedicated our professional lives to doing the mission of the church, to, to doing, 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 accomplishing, accomplishing, accomplishing to the purpose that we reach the loss, you know, spread right. the gospel, blah, 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 blah. And I'm not blah, 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 that because that's not important. I mean, I'm just right, saying right, that, right. You know. so, Okay. But that left a lot of, and, and I had some time while I was on vacation the last couple of weeks to, to do some reflection because my wife and I were taking some time off the grid, thinking about, you know, it's our 37th anniversary and so on and so forth. Right. And, you know, just kind of reflecting on life and career and all that. And people that I've known for 30, 40 years, right. you know, guys that I went to seminary with. God, I want to choose my words very carefully, but, but you know, a lot of that came at tremendous cost to people's lives. <laughs> and as soon as I say that, I mean, I, I, I've preached the sermon a hundred times on Hebrews 11 and, you know, the saints and the great, you know, heroes of the faith and all they sacrificed and gave right. for the mission of the church and and that was sort of the point, you know, what are you willing to sacrifice? Of course, there's going to be a cost to it. This is the cost of the mission. And, right. You know, there's, there will be casualties. Right, know, right, right, right. And it's like, this is like, you know, and we used to do crazy things like talk about, um, you know, D-Day and storming Omaha Beach and not all of us will you know, survive. Right. And, you know, and it was like plunge ahead. Uh, but there was real cost to people's lives. And there was some in some cases, wreckage to people's lives because, and I'm going to let you weigh in here in a second, but man, I, I think there was a lot of, I just look back at how many ministry leaders I know, whether they were pastors or music directors or, you know, other professional, you know, evangelical leaders that I know who, and again, I don't want to throw stones at anybody, but man, their own family became just, you know, a mess. You know, their, their kids abandoned the church and had problems and their marriages and their this and their that because in a lot of ways we were so, I don't want to use the word programmed, but, but right. in a sense, we, we, our, our, our thought, our framing, our, our, our programming was so much everything to do what needs to be done for the mission of the church and to reach the lost right. and all that. And even if that means you burn down your marriage and your family and your health. Right. 
And as soon as he said, well, don't you care about the mission? And didn't Jesus die on a cross? And aren't we willing to right. carry the cross? And didn't the apostles all, you know, right. uh, suffer martyrs' death? So why wouldn't you spend six nights a week at church committee meetings? Or right. Whatever. I don't know if it's the same thing. I, I, don't, I don't know if the apostles being martyred for their faith is the same thing as me just going to church six nights a week to be at committee meetings. I don't know, maybe. Right. Or music rehearsals or whatever, but, but there was kind of like no cost too high to pay right. to, to do, 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 do church work. Right. And the irony was as evangelicals, we would criticize Catholics and say, oh, the Catholics think they have to do, 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 do to get saved. We don't right. think that. We think that we're saved by faith as a gift from Jesus. But oh my gosh, once you get saved, you better start doing, 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 right. doing. Because God didn't save you to sit yep. on the sideline. He saved you to get in the game, baby. And so it became like a back-end works theology. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Now, I'm going to stop talking. You, you share some of your reflections. I know you lived this whole life in this whole world. It was, um, I took it for granted growing up that the more you did for church, the, the better it was that that's, you know, that you're a better Christian. You're just a better follower of Christ if you do that. And it has been my observation that all these years that churches are fertile ground for people who cannot, who are anxious about God loving them and about doing enough for God and who will just who, who will stand up and say, we're going to do all this. I'm going to do all this and you should follow me. And they end up in positions, uh, either voluntary or paid. They end up in positions of authority or influence and they end up, um, uh, uh, everybody ends up feeling guilty if they don't do as much as this person. And they're seen as a leader, you know, uh, and it's, and it's, it's counterproductive. I, um, when I was the church music director, at the big church for 10, 12 years. Um, I had a guy who played drums, one of the drummers, and he wanted to play all the time. And I said, no, you can't. I said, I need a drummer for this week. Well, I'll play. I said, no, you can't. You have a family. You have a wife and kids. Go home. And I was, I was willing to not have drums on a Sunday in order to not burn out my people. But there, you know, there was, uh, I'll tell you a story. This is kind of a horror story, but there was a, uh, when I worked at, at this big church, there was one of the guys who, who was in the tech department. He was a, a, a full-time employee. We had a guy come in who was involved in this big family, nationally known family oriented um, organization. And he, um, the pastor got up and said, we, uh, you know, we're, we want, we're, we're so glad to have this guy. He's, I'm going to interview him on a Saturday night at church and, and he's going to tell us all about, and we're so, I, I'm so impressed. You know, this guy is sacrificing. He's sacrificing. He has a, a wife and kids here in the Lakeshore area of, of Michigan, West Michigan, but he's, he, uh, he is in Washington five days a week, sacrificing the time he could be spending with his family. And I'm thinking in order to advance help families. advance the cause of families. And I, right. so then on that Saturday night, he, he gave this speech in, in his talk and it was very compelling, of course. And, and 
the, the pastor said, I found this out later, to the tech director, he said, I want you to edit this video together. This is so important that we need to show, I was going to interview this guy, and then on Sunday morning, I was just going to preach my sermons and talk a little bit about the interview. Now I want people to see this interview. It's so compelling. I want you to edit this into this, this interview I did this evening into a 20 or 30 minute thing. And the tech director said, well, you realize that it's Saturday night and I need, I'll be up half the night at least doing this. And he said, well, that's what you have to do then. He said, my, my wife is in labor. I, I busted away from the hospital long enough to come here tonight to make sure the cameras were running and everything, but I got to go. And the pastor said, no, nope, it's your job. They threatened him with his job, I think. Mm -hmm to stay there and edit. And this poor guy stays up. He's calling, he's calling his wife every 30 minutes. Are you okay? Because this was so important. And I remember thinking this, uh, now I look back on that and I think this is an example of not knowing what it is we're actually trying to accomplish here of recreating it all the time and feeling this feeling like we have to keep plussing this up all the time. You know, you know, I, I won't name names or whatever, but there was a, for a number of years, um, I had some involvement with what at the time was, I think, the largest evangelical megachurch in America. Mm -hmm. And very famous. And um, it had like, I don't know, three, 400 people on staff and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I remember this story about one of the guys who was a, a senior leader there, one of the senior, 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 senior top yep. people. And he was talking about, well, these people got, this, this staff person got divorced and this other staff person got divorced or this guy, you know, had a heart attack, right? You know, right. all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and you're listening going, well, that sounds horrible. Like why would, you know, right. well, they all work like 80 hours a week. You know, I mean, and they weren't joking. Like they work right. 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And you go, well, why would somebody come and work 60, 70, 80 hours a week at this church as a tech director or a program leader or this or that or whatever they're doing Yeah, and and destroy their health and their marriage and everything else? And he goes, you understand, this is, this is like the Mount Everest of mission and reaching the lost for Jesus. And right. you go, well, but it seems weird. Like, like at the top of Mount Everest, there's dead bodies. Like, <laughs> right. you know, like uh, what, what is the point of all of this? If you, what's the point of building this ship to reach the lost? If it, you burn it down in the process or you right. burn down. So, so then you can say, well, Hey, you know, these people, anonymous people showed up to some Saturday night, you know, Jesus concert and came down on the altar call and four of the people involved lost their children in their marriage and one guy right. had a heart attack. Right. You know, and at some point you go, well, yeah, but you know, d didn't the apostles get burned alive? And again, it's, it's like this equation of the sort of the witness of the apostles or the witness of the martyrs, all of that, which is legit and right as right. well as, but that gets transferred to, well, if you really loved Jesus, Right. Then you would show up more and do more volunteer work or work more hours or whatever to 
do these program ministries or run these concerts or build these videos or do whatever. Right. And, and, you know, part of what it is, is it, is it, it is the notion, as we were talking about in the last episode, the, the notion that the church is a means to an end. Right. Right. That the church exists as an instrument to right. accomplish these ends rather than the church is an end in itself, that the church right. is the body of Christ, the community uh, right. of Christ's body on earth and the bride of Christ. So it'd be like if you said you had your bride and you go, well, this is my bride, this is my wife who I use to accomplish whatever purpose. You go, there's, there's no right. using. Right. 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 Like if right. the bride itself isn't healthy and she herself isn't healthy and cared for, then what's the point of her, of, of sending her out to, to, you know, like sending your wife out into the streets to do all this right. stuff to, right. you know, help the family. You go, wait a minute, hold on. I mean, you're, you're burning down the very thing that you care about. So again, I think at, at, at a conceptual level underneath it is this sense of, like you said, this sense of obligation and mission and guilt. And right. that is because, like I said, from the time I was, you know, a college student, like I bought this hook, I say hook, line and sinker, but I mean, I, right. like this is what I dedicated my life to my professional life. I went out and got, you know, you know, graduate degrees and I, and I did every, I mean, I oriented my life and my professional life around doing, 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 what am I supposed right. to do now for the, for the mission of the church? And and I guess where you and I are talking at lunch, the contrast where I come to with Catholicism now is this notion of vocation. Now, again, to be fair, Protestants will talk about vocation, but I don't think they talk about quite the same way. Yeah. Uh, in the church, and I don't mean, I don't want to contrast the Catholic church and the Protestant church. I want to just talk about the church from the beginning, right? Like, the church, the 2,000-year-old right. church, right? Christianity, which is Catholicism. You know, vocation, as I said a few minutes ago, is comes from this Latin word, voce, voice, or call. Right. Right? Voce, call. So you get words like vocal and, you know, things like that all come from this. And so it is the call or God's voice in your life. And the notion is, is that we all are, we all have a vocation. Yeah. Now, to be fair, in the Catholic Church, we talk about vocations in a very particular way. We talk about someone who has a vocation to be a priest or religious vocation. Right. To be a, a, you know, a monk or a nun right. or a priest. And so we talk about vocations and how many vocations, you know, but those are vocations to the priesthood. Right. And, and right. So obviously, there's right. nothing we talk about. But at the same time, the notion of vocation is simply the notion that there is something that God wants you to do with your life. And as I said in the last episode, there is a, there, there's somewhere that you're supposed to be something you're supposed to be doing and when you're supposed to be doing it. And the thing is, is that isn't just a means to an end. In other words, God wants you to volunteer more. God wants you to work more. God wants you to, um, you know, go into professional ministry to do more so that X, Y, Z, right, of the mission right. gets accomplished. There's just a place that you belong. Mm. Because of, you know, yeah, I like that. God, God created you, God made you, God, right. God has sustained you, God has 
ordered the universe and you play an amazing part in it. You are an important and amazing part of God's plan. And that may be that you are raising children or caring for your sick grandmother or working in the car parts store or, right? right? Or doing whatever it is that God has you doing, right? That's where, and it goes back to what I said a minute ago, you want to be successful in this life and the next, be where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it. And that becomes different than I think in my mind, than the sort of psychological framing of mission in the evangelical world, because the question is, well, where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be doing to accomplish the mission? Right. Right. It's like, it's all this borrowed from military language, right? Like we're supposed yeah. to take, you yeah. know, it's D-Day and we're supposed to take Omaha beach. So you're supposed to be in this boat and you're supposed to be in this boat and you're a paratrooper here and you're supposed to be. So we accomplish the mission. You go, well, wait a minute. Maybe what God wants in my life is for me to, uh, you know, uh, take care of my, my grandchildren and, pay my taxes and to, you know, love my spouse and to go to confession and go to mass. Maybe right. that's the place that God has called me. And you say, well, yeah, but how does that advance the mission? It, it doesn't. It fulfills my vocation. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's the thing is, I don't correct me if I'm wrong here, but you know, the Catholic church appears to me to have, sort of they have they have definition of what the mission is they have they there there's walls around it there are you know it, it's this and not that in the protestant church my experience has been that anybody can make up what the mission is in a particular circumstance and then it's the person who can lead the most compelling charge and here we all go we're starting a new church we're starting a new ministry we're starting a new this we're starting a new that and then that becomes a feeling, you know, the feeling of, oh, I'm really, I'm really involved in God's mission now. Uh, that, that's, that always, that, that's almost always like the only definition. Well, well, to be fair, the same thing has happened throughout the centuries in Catholicism, right? So you have the, the, the founders of religious orders. You right. know, you're going to have the St. Francis's and the St. Thomas's and the St. Benedict's and, right. you know, the, you know, um, whoever, right? right. And they, they have a vocation to found an order of, of, you know, right. People dedicated to this purpose. You have people, um, uh, who, who are, feel they're called and positioned to start a Catholic school or a hospital. Right. So, so, but if that's what God has called you to do, then that there's clarity that, and then there's confirmation of that through, the right. various systems of the church. Yes, you, right. You can't just go start your own religious order. Right. You can't just go start your own Catholic hospital. You can't just go start your own thing. There's a process. But by you which, can do that in the Protestant world. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, you know, you know, Pastor Bob can just go, you know, rent the storefront at the strip mall right. and like declare himself to be, you know, Pastor Bob and, and, and yeah. right. There's no, you know, um, I know I have so many of these guys like who made you right, you know, in charge of anything he did because I decided to start this. And then, and then the validation is, look, I have 200 people or 2000 people or 20,000 right. people showing up. Yeah. So therefore clearly I'm doing the right thing. 
but but I, what I want to get back to is this notion, though, that about functionality, you know, about means to ends. Because maybe God did call you to start a school or a hospital. Right. Maybe God did call you to go to Africa and, and be a medical right. worker. Maybe he did. Maybe that is your vocation. And if that's your vocation, then you're where you're supposed to be right. doing what you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it. But that isn't, you're not there in order as a means to some greater end, which we are all supposed to. See, because here was what I would say, and I said to you at the taco shop, it strikes me two, two things. One is sort of a despairing thought, and the other is a hopeful thought. I had this while I was on vacation. We were sitting at a cabin on an island up in the Great Lakes. And I was thinking about all the people that I've known over the last 30, 40 years, friends, colleagues, whatever, and how many of them, you know, have suffered or struggled or gotten burned out, you know, in their ministry careers or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, and there's a part of me that says, yeah, okay, but was it worth it? And, and, and in fairness, if we were to ask whether it was worth it, that would be measured by our own definition. Did we accomplish all those things? Right. Right. So if the, the thing I heard this from the 80s, 90s, two, early 2000s, 2010s, you did too. We're going to take back America. We're going to reach the lost. We're going to spread Christ across right. America. Right. Blah, 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 blah. We're going to capture every home right. for Christ, you know, whatever. And you go, okay, so how's that going? Well, by every metric, that every conceivable metric, statistical right. metric, the church is doing, Christianity America is doing worse today yeah, than, worse it than it was yeah. 40 years ago. I mean, attendance, participation, belief, finances, I mean, you know, generational right. transmission. I mean, you pick, pick, pick that st stat. Show me a stat under which the church in America is statistically better off today than it was 40 years ago. Right. So if you set out and say the purpose of ministry or the purpose of church or the purpose of my, my, my Christian life is to accomplish these goals, right? That's why I'm supposed to do them. Then at some point you have to be honest enough to go, well, did I do enough or did we do the right things or did we right. do it wrong? Right? Right. And you would go, well, I don't know. It's hard for me to point to the fruits of all of the work and careers and money that we spent and say, yeah, look what we did. Right. But if I ask, were all of us where we were supposed to be doing what we were supposed to be doing when we were supposed to do it to fulfill God's vocation, not to fulfill the purpose of the mission, but to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. Right. 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 Like maybe, you know, when I got out of seminary, I mean, one of my first jobs was to being a church planter in Southern California, um, helping to plant churches there. And, you know, we spent a few years doing that and we started a couple little churches. I started a little church and it no longer is there. Right. right? It lasted a few years and then I left and somebody else tried to pick it up. And then, yep. okay. Was it a failure? I don't know. I know that I can say honestly that I felt the years that I spent in that little beach community in Southern California, 
starting and pastoring that little church, I felt that I was where I was supposed to be doing what I was supposed to be doing when I was supposed to be doing at that point in my life. Regardless of whether it reached right. 10,000 people or, you know, will last 10 generations is not the point. The, the point for me was I felt like I did what I was supposed to do right. and I fulfilled God's point in life. But when I became a Catholic, the, a lot of the, the burden and the, the, of, of this really shifted for me. Because, yes, the Catholic Church has a mission, but here's my thought, is if everybody fulfilled their vocation, so instead of everybody assigning themselves some sort of missionary, making a missionary plan or assigning themselves some sort of a missionary purpose, if every one of us were where we were supposed to be doing what we were supposed to be doing when we were supposed to be doing it, would the mission be accomplished. Right. Yeah. You know, if every one of us were simply living the life that God called us to live as faithfully and authentically, right, right and, 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 and piously as we could, and not layering on ourselves that that is a means to an end, if all of us just right. did that as an end, w- would it sort of sort of self-organize and God's purposes be accomplished. Well, that assumes then that God is behind that, that, and, and has a plan and knows what he's doing. And, and doesn't need a bunch of pastors to go to a conference and sit down together in, with a whiteboard for three days and game, right. game out God's plan. Right. You know, if God has a plan for your life, dear listener, right? And he has a plan for Ed's life and for my life and the life of the person in the car next to you as you're driving along to this podcast. And if every one of us fulfilled God's purpose in our life, would the purpose of the church be fulfilled right. simply because all of us were doing, we're living out God's plan. Right. And we wouldn't have to live out God's plan as a means to an end. There's a lot of talk about finding God's will for my life. What is God's will for me? I need to find God's will for my life. I listened to a guy talk one time and he said, he said two things that stuck with me. First of all, um, what is God's will for your life in general? Stop sinning. Be more like Christ. Yeah. That, that's what God wants from you. And, um, and to know and enjoy him. And uh, in, in the end, does God always get what he wants? Of course he does. So, so stop, stop trying to find this nebulous plan that's not the way it. That's not the way it works. And I, yeah. and I'm not saying that God doesn't call people to do no, things and I, all of that. My but. problem with with talking about God's plan for your life is it's is a, is is I think the metaphor becomes misleading. Okay. okay? So let's suppose that I'm I want to I want to build a garden shed in my backyard. Right. So I go to Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever, right. and I order a shed and the next day's truck comes and dumps all of this right. pre-cut lumber and stuff and parts, you know, on my driveway. Right. And it has this, um, you know, instruction manual. Right. Like this plan for how to assemble it. And it's got 79 steps in it. Step one, right. step two, step 37, right. push, you know, truss, a into tab, slot, yeah, you tab copy, A into slot B, and, and yeah. you know, put the lag bolt here, and you go. And if when I'm done, the sort of shed is crooked and off balance, there's a bunch of parts left over, then I go, 
man, I think I must have not followed the plan properly because the plan was, was, a, was, was a sort of instructions to lead you to, to accomplish this thing. Right. And I think that when we take that metaphor and we apply it to our lives, we say, if I follow God's plan, the 79 steps for my life. So go to school here, marry this person, take right. this job, go to this church, join this committee at church, right? Give to this mission, go on this mission trip. And if I do all of that, then my, at the other end of it, I will be healthy, happy, whole, and I, will right. accomp and I will have accomplished all these things. Right. But life rarely goes that way because, you know, you go along and you go, I, I, I think I did the right things, but life didn't turn out. Right. Right. But my child got hit by a car playing in the, crossing the street and my, the company I worked for went bankrupt and I lost my job and my house or my spouse got cancer and right. Right. And you go, what, what did I, and I, I've listened to people my whole life. They go, what did I do wrong? I thought I followed God's plan. I did everything. I followed all the steps, right. like building the garden shed, followed steps one through 79, all the little diagrams. I'm putting a IKEA furniture together. I did right. everything except, and the bookcase came out looking all crooked and wrong. And I must not have followed God's plan. And so, you know, it's not right. I know that God, that, that word is used, but I just think there's a metaphorical sort of disconnect there because I, I think what God has is a story for our lives. You know, we're going to live this story that God's written for us and it's going to have, it's going to have high, high moments and it's going to have low moments and it's going to have conflicts and it's going to have struggles. Yep. And our, I think, I think our calling, our vocation is to live the story that God right. has sort of written for us and live it authentically and step into it right. and live through it faithfully, knowing that a lot of times it's not going to turn out like we think it's going to turn out. Right. And, and so I just get really low thinking about if I do X, Y, Z and steps one through 79, I will have followed the plan and accomplished the thing and I now have the the shed right you know and I, I just I don't know if that life turns out that way so I, th I think for me it's more about asking again I keep saying this but you know at any given moment am I where am I supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing uh you know when I'm supposed to be doing it and, and at any given moment am I am I living faithfully and authentically and in relationship with Christ and 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 if I do that there's no guarantee for how life turns out or no guarantee right. for what we're going to accomplish. But the guarantee is I will have lived my life faithfully right. fulfilling my vocation. Yeah. And yeah. at the end of my yeah. life, you know, Paul says in Second Timothy, as he's in the Mamertine prison in Rome waiting for his execution, he writes to Timothy, you know, I, I, you know I, I've run the race. I've fought the fight. And now there is stored up for me a crown of righteousness, which awaits for everyone right. who runs the race laid out for them. And, and that's all I can do um, right. is, is, is to follow the trail God's marked out for me, not right. knowing where it goes, but saying I followed it faithfully. And that's my vocation. And, and so I just don't want to be burdened by this do, 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 so that. Right. 
this gets accomplished, especially when that becomes manipulated by ministry leaders. Yes. And you get, and you get guilt tripped. Yep. I have found that God is very good at sort of maneuvering me into things without my, without my seeing it all ahead of time. And, you know, uh, I had this little epiphany long time ago, sitting in my big recliner chair. I bet I was barely 30 years old and I was saying, God, couldn't you just walk into the room and tell me what to do? Why would, why couldn't we just do that? And I felt like God was saying to me at the time, because that kind of thing, you can't be trusted to hear that kind of voice. You'll hear other voices. You'll, you'll, you'll mess that up. But if I back you into the corner and there's only one way to go, then I know I'm going to get from you what I want. And, and I'm not saying that, that God, you know, I don't want, I don't mean that to sound negative, but you know, my life has taken a certain shape and sometimes I've felt like I was doing the right thing. And I think it was not because I knew 15 years ahead of time what, what that was going to be. Yeah. I think, I think you, you nailed that. I mean, I, I, I think like while I was on vacation, I was reflecting back on all the, you know, you know, people and places and people I've known and places I've been and people I've worked with and, you know, kind of just sort of look back on your career. And I, You know, and, and, and I, I think I can say that most of the time I tried to ask the right question of, am I where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing right? Um, for the reasons I'm doing it? Not always, but I do know that at this point in my life, those are the relevant questions. So as, as I go forward with anything that I do in my life, ministry related or non-ministry related right whether it's this podcast or other ministry things i do or other professional things i do or personal things that i do i i think the question is what what you know what what is god calling me what is what is right and just where does god want me to be right and that is its own end it doesn't have to right. be so that right i accomplish some mission it's just that is the mission the mission is to simply Right. Live authentically the life God called you to live. Yeah. That is the mission. And and now the mission of the church is that if collectively we all live the life calls us to live, yeah. that through that God will accomplish, right? Because all of a sudden right. everyone's going to be at their stations right. doing what they're supposed to be doing. And 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 the Holy Spirit will work through that collectively. Yep. Totally agree. It's a very relaxing thing to think about. It is. It's 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 really freeing. Yep. All right, Ed, thanks. Yep. Thank you for listening. My name is Greg Smith. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcasts? And please share it with others. And if you're curious about the Catholic worldview and faith, the Church and its Saints, or Catholic history, culture, and art, then visit consideringcatholicism.com. And email me to let me know what you think. Greg at consideringcatholicism.com.